Welcome, welcome, welcome to this very special Episode 9 Extra. I'm Cameron J. If you haven't listened to Episode 9 yet, I do encourage you to stop right now, go back and listen, because Tara's boyfriend speaks for the first time in 20 years. I think it's important for you to hear that before you hear this next part, because, as promised, we have exclusive interview with Tara's family and their exclusive reactions to the boyfriend speaking out and how they felt about him then and what they might feel now. I want to apologize for the delay. We had a little mishap here at Classic City Crime just minutes after posting the episode, literally minutes. We had our laptop suddenly die, completely go out, and it is beyond repair. We're going to have to get a new one, but nevertheless, we were able to do some creative problem-solving and conducted interviews over the phone to bring you this exclusive Classic City Crime update. I talked with Sister Meredith about her thoughts on suspect number two and about the podcast so far, and here's what she had to say. Meredith, thanks for taking time to talk with me. Um, I know that you've had time to listen to and digest our latest episode. Um, How are you feeling about the podcast so far? I think it's fantastic. I think it is bringing so much light and bringing in so much information on a case that has been shrouded in, in mystery for 20 years. I just think it's doing a world of good. It's doing more good than than anything that we have tried to do so far. Well, as I always tell you, it's an honor to tell Tara's story, and I appreciate the friendship that we've uh, created throughout this process for sure. Um, I wanted to ask you, now that you've had time to listen and sit back and reflect and think, um, a lot of people are wondering what did you feel about suspect number two that we spoke to this week, the boyfriend, back in 2001, and how has your opinion changed through the years? It has been a roller coaster, to say the least. Um, in the beginning, I wasn't privy to the earlier conversations with the police, and in my mind, he was grieving along with us. And I remember when he came into the room um, that first night at the police station, uh, he actually held me for a good bit while we were in that room until we were, you know, scooped up and and taken to a a hotel. Um, And I remember the last time I saw him was in my grandmother's basement following, um, I I can't remember if it was the the wake, because I know after the funeral we went back to our house, but... That was the last time I recall seeing him. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until later that my parents kind of broke the news to me that he was a suspect, and I just I couldn't believe it. I was like, no, they were they were in love. He loved her. That this can't be true. Um, and then over the years, it was kind of we believed that the police were doing their job and that he was a viable suspect, and we did just kind of retreat and. We didn't reach out to him, and I I feel horrible about it now thinking that for 20 years he's been experiencing all this pain and grief and going through it alone. Mm-hmm. And it just it breaks my heart knowing that we turned our backs on someone who loved my sister, and my sister loved him in return, and I feel like that, that's a betrayal on the relationship that they had. Now, I asked Meredith if there was anything that she wanted to say to the boyfriend now, knowing what she knows from our interview and having 20 years to process the things she had been told. Here's what she had to say. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry that we didn't have more faith. That I, I'm sorry that we sat quiet for so long, and I'm sorry that we believed what what we were told. Um 
I, I think that they just picked him out as the usual suspect um, that, you know, most violent crimes, the, the perpetrator is someone who was romantically involved with the, the deceased. And I think that that was just the, the easy way out for them to hone in on him. Mm-hmm. What did you think when you heard him talking about the way police treated him in the years after uh, Tara's murder? I was shocked. I can't, I, I understand playing tough cop. And I am so amazed at his strength and bravery to go through all that. I, I, I just can't imagine. It just sounds completely unprofessional to, one, call someone at 3 30 in the morning or call their parents at 3.30 in the morning and say, you have to be here now. Or to show up at a job site and scoop them up in front of 100 plus people and put them in the back of a car and drive off with them. I just, I can't imagine what he's been through. And it's all for nothing. It, it's, it, it just, it pains me so much to know that he went through all that. Um, you heard us talk about suspect number one, the classmate, um, in the podcast as well, Meredith. Do you have any comment about your feelings toward that um, and what you heard in the podcast? Um, I have some mixed feelings about it. Uh, I, I think it, it, again, goes back to the usual suspects. I think that this, from what I've heard from other uh, law students who went to school with him or that were in the section with him, I mean, everybody has that one kid, and you might have even been that kid. I know that at after Tara died, I certainly was the awkward kid at school. And right, I mean, in my mind, everyone is presumed innocent until proven otherwise. And it is upsetting to think that he was also uh, picked on and harassed simply because people thought he was a little off. Mm-hmm. I mean, being different doesn't make you a murderer. I haven't completely written him off yet. I I just I don't know how I feel about it yet. There remains a lot to be told, that's for sure. Now, you remember younger brother Kevin. He's had a lot to say in the podcast, and he's become a dear friend of mine. And he actually had a lot of suspicions initially about Tara's boyfriend, but says those feelings have since subsided and changed. Here's a bit of our conversation. Well, Kevin, thanks for taking time to talk with me. Uh, how are you feeling about the podcast so far? Uh, well, right now, I think that it's absolutely doing what it needs to be doing. Um, I'm very appreciative of all the followers that have been watching uh, and listening. Um, and hopefully we'll bring this to light. And I, again, am just very blessed that uh, you yourself and so many people have taken action and really wanting to get involved in this. So I think that we're going to be closer to cracking the case and it's taken police officers year to do so i'm excited about that mm-hmm. speaking of people taking action um we had a big uh interview this week on the podcast that i know you've had time to listen to now um tara's boyfriend um spoke out on the podcast how did you feel about his interview what did you think about him then and how do you feel about him now well you know um of anybody i feel like i probably have had the most experience with him um just from going to visit Tara and, you know, spend the night at every different place she's ever lived, he's always been there from Milledgeville all the way through. Um, 
you know, and I've got fond memories of him. The very first time I ever caught a fish was with him and Tara. You know, I remember the dog he had. I remember going shopping and different places. And, you know, he would always practice his cheerleading moves and throw me up in the air, which I thought was awesome. Um, And uh, after it happened, you know, we weren't given a lot of information. A lot of it was a lot of misdirection. Um, And I think he kind of withdrew. Uh, which, you know, I think people grieve differently. And he kind of became an introvert and didn't really seek a lot of attention, which naturally, as you said in the podcast, there is a, if I'm not mistaken, what, 94 to 96% of uh, young females that are murdered, it tends to be their boyfriend or significant other. Um, so naturally, I think that we were pressured by certain entities and certain agencies that, you know, we don't have enough evidence, but this is who we think did it, you know. Um, and, uh, it, you know, I'm not going to lie and say that I didn't think he did for a while, you know. And I'm really, really upset that uh, we were given the wrong information for so long. And I, my heart breaks. Uh, to listen to that podcast because you can hear the pain in his voice. You can hear the sorrow and how bad he had it and how many people probably blacklisted him for a while and how much torture the police and investigators put him through. And he absolutely cooperated the whole way through. Um, and if he's listening, I hope, you know, from the bottom of my heart and sincere apology uh, that, you know, as a man, because uh, I've never had any interaction with him as a man, but as a man, I I feel his pain. Um, I'm proud that he's able to go as far as he has. I'm very appreciative for the interview that he's done. I know it's the first time he's broken silence in, gosh, 20 years, but uh, it's it's a big step, and he put himself uh, out there, and uh, I really appreciate everything he's done, for sure, um, to, to help the, this case. And, uh, again, just to... to Sincere apology um, and how my heart hurts for him still to this day. I think we're all in that in that pain pool together. Um, but if if this will help us get one step closer, helps you get one step closer to getting some more evidence, then it's uh, and I think it's 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 for a good cause. And I'm I'm 100% on what he says about police need to take action, get on it, make it work. You know, I've had a lot of people come to me lately, um, people that knew her, that have friended me on Facebook just to say the, such amazing things and say how, you know, grateful they are that, for the actions that you're taking and for some of the things that uh, they remember about Tara. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I would say continue to do that. You know, post mm-hmm. your memories about Tara on your Facebook page. Uh, any questions that you have throughout this investigation that either myself or my family or you, you know, relay them to you so you can get them to us and we'll try to answer it the best we can. I mean, we're all pulling the layers of the onion back together. So uh, that's, that's pretty much it. Continue to share it on your Facebook page, friends, coworkers, family, whoever, the more people talk about it, the better it is. All right, Kevin. Well, Hey, thanks so much for your time and uh, we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Thank you, buddy. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Finally, I spoke with Dear Miss Virginia on the phone, and I can tell you this. She's in 100% agreement with what her children have said, too. 
Thanks for tuning in to this quick update with the Baker family. I know that they appreciate your support through this process and for sticking it out with us week to week as we continue to uncover answers and dispel some of the mistruths of 20 years in the making of Seeking Justice for Tara Louise Baker. Now, I want to ask you one favor. If you're one of our listeners who listen on Apple Podcasts, I do need you to do one thing. Drop us a five-star rating and write a review if you can. It helps us stay in the top of podcasts and helps us get Tara's story in front of more people each and every week. So I appreciate your help there in advance. See you next Thursday for The Suspects Part 3. I'm Cameron Jay.